Welcome everyone to the 31 Days of Dread. This is day 6 and welcome. Welcome, I'm Peter A. DeLuca, a.k.a. Pad, your geek guide. I'm holding your hand and we're going through 31 days of horror movie. That's one horror movie a day for the entire month of October. Third year in, this is the third annual 31 Days of Dread. Let's hit that music because we're going to talk about one of my favorite movies ever. My sister can prove this. It's The Crow. Let's go. Thank you, thank you, thank you for joining me. Welcome back. I'm Peter A. DeLuca. I said it before. I'll say it again. And if you're new here, yeah, so this is my podcast. It's audio. It's Audio Audacity, a.k.a. Pad's Audio Audacity podcast. And if you're just new here, do me a favor. Subscribe. Promote this podcast because I do need your help. We'll build, we're building an a.k.a. Pad army. And if you love pop culture, if you love movies, if you love cinema, if you love people who have a passion for this, like me, uh, we it needs your support every inch, every every little thing along the way. It, it, it is monumental. It's a big help. If you want to find me on social media, it's AKAPad13 on Instagram, AKAPad on Twitter, uh, YouTube, and any other of the podcast networks. Just just search AKAPad. I come right up because I'm everywhere and I'm your boy. I'm your friend. But hey, 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 welcome to 31 Days of Dread. I love, I'm loving it. It was such a good run. I did a little diversion. Um, the next two episodes were uh, the originally intended episodes five and six, and it was it's Terrifier and Night Watchman, the Night Watchman, and yeah, like I ended up seeing the Joker uh, late Thursday, and just was like, let me, this has got to be a release. I, I just got to make the release right now. So I already had the uh, you know, the episode recorded so Joker got released yesterday. And this one of this year's like micro themes is I'm I'm pairing movies in blocks. So I had to get something uh, in mind really quick for Joker and immediately the crow came to mind because a lot of people classify this as a superhero movie or a vigilante movie. No, no, this is a supernatural horror movie. There's very little hope <laughs> in this movie. This movie is dark and depressing. And this movie uh, is one of the best, uh, just straight up adaptations of a comic book work. Uh, a lot of people call it a graphic novel. A lot like Watchmen, The Crow is not a graphic novel. The Crow is a collected edition of what's called floppies or single issues. It was originally a miniseries. We can get into the history of The Crow itself. But you know what the funny thing is with The Crow? Brandon Lee, Alex Poryaz, and James Obar. That That's like your three-headed dragon of people involved with The Crow. Uh, Brandon Lee... Uh, died during the production of this movie. And, you know, so immediately the movie became legendary. I remember when all that stuff came out, the Premiere Magazine articles, the Entertainment Weekly articles, uh, there was a lot written about it. And this was, like, one of the first times they used, like, digital trickery to put him into the movie to finish a couple scenes. And I think if you watch the movie, some of it is very clear. 
Uh, I, I this is also one of the movies I prefer watching on VHS because of the gr- like the the graininess and and the dirtiness. I think it really complements the movie more than anything we can get on Amazon Prime or Netflix and so on and so forth. And so Brandon Lee's whole career was cut short with this movie, and it just look it it kind of works within the movie, like just as of like what the movie is, and yeah, nobody wanted that, but it, it is what it is. And then we have James Orbar. He's the creator of the Crow. He's the one that did the comic. And I re- remember, like back during the DVD days, there was like an hour long plus documentary on him with maybe like the original dvd release and you it's like he's a tortured individual that used uh the cheapest materials to make this comic like dollar store color like watercolors and dollar store paper and and you put this comic book together to somewhat um you know like it's a a lot like Midsommar, day one of the 31 Days of Dread. And I'm connecting these two movies. Midsommar was a response to the director's um, emotional trauma, emotional turmoil of this long-term breakup. And he, he made this movie that was somewhat allegorical of it. And it comes from his marrow. It comes from his his, his heart. And it's, it's fully there. Uh, that's a lot. Uh, it's a reason why I'll, the, the scenes of the girl... And the friends and, and everyone uh, outside the cult. Uh, it, it's a reason why that's directed and acted so well in Midsommar. Because it, it's, it's connected to reality. It's connected to real life trauma. And The Crow has that. Because James O'Barr's uh, girlfriend. I'm just going from memory here. But he supposedly was in love. They were engaged. And, and I, she may have died in a car accident. And from that he created The Crow. And the movie... You know, like, the movie kind of gets the comic book better. Because Alex Poirier comes in. And, you know, like, really... Look, Alex Poirier, his film career is frustrating. Because he kind of comes out of nowhere. In 1994, directs The Crow. Directs one of the most visionary, most dark, most uh, dystopian, just dirty, like, visions uh, that's somewhat fantasy, somewhat horror. Like it's hard to again, it's a mixed bag. But he, he essentially directs a horror movie, and then he uh, four years later he makes Dark City. I'm getting to a larger point here of these three individuals, this three-headed dragon, and then he kind of goes away for a while. And in 2004 he directs Will Smith in I Robot. Which is also visual and exact, and it has memorable scenes, but it's not on the level of Dark City and Crow. And then in 2009, five years later, we have Knowing with Nicolas Cage. It's a tough movie. It's it's just a tough movie. It's it's fun, but it's it's we want like more of where he was with the Crow and Dark City. And it's just not happening. But he's getting chances. He's getting budgets. He's getting great actors. He's getting professionals to work with him. And it's just not happening. And then in 2016, 16, we have Gods of Egypt. Uh, completely visionary. You know, like if Crow is dark and gray, and you know, like black, white, and gray, Gods of Egypt is brown, orange, and yellow. And it, it bookends it perfectly. But 
it's not as good as the crow uh that movie's tough to watch uh i would have to go through it again because i kind of forget what i don't like about gods of egypt uh i just know i i had trouble finishing or i don't think i even finished the movie but that may not be in full position to speak on gods of egypt but universally everyone else hates it we all know what aka pad peter a deluca your boy thinks about it but yeah maybe maybe we'll add that up to the lineup let me know so we have Alex Poirier as your director, visionary director at this time. James Orbar, uh, masterful comic book creator. You know, again, came out of nowhere. And then we have Brandon Lee, superstar. Like, could have done more. And technically, he came out of nowhere. He's got some movies. Uh, Showdown in Little Tokyo with Dolph Lundgren. Check it out. And then we have nothing from these individuals. Yeah, Alex Poirier has really never re-impacted, recreated what he had with the crow. James R. Barr never, never could, like, comic book-wise, just, uh, that's it. That's all he's done. Technically, you can argue that's all Alex has done. Technically, Brandon Lee is only known for the crow. And it's, uh, the movie now, it uh, itself, uh, is as much as a tragedy as that's portrayed within the movie. You know, like, this is a lot, it, like, the way how this mirrors Joker, even in that theme, and the reason why this pairs so well with Joker, because we have crazy, white-faced, murderous comic book adaptations. That's this genre. <laughs> it's very short. It's a very small genre, but these two movies pair perfectly. But these movies also cross over into reality in a way that is, uh, like, unfathomable. It's and uh, you know, like, and then infinitely, I think this is why this year's 31 Days of Dread is so, it's so joyous for me because, like, this connection is so true and pure. Uh, I just want to watch these two movies back to back as many times as I can because I do feel like, uh, you know, they're they're us and we're it, and it is here, meaning the Joker has FBI agents in theaters right now making sure things are okay <laughs> that's what the joker would want and we have the crow with true tragedy overflowing into our like hearts and minds and and we feel differently when we watch that movie but yeah so this movie just runs so deep with me there's just so many memories i have i remember seeing it with my sister when it came out we rushed to go see this my sister being fantastic, incredible, the incredible person my sister is, uh, got the $90 DVD uh, C- VHS, the VHS rental copy. They, uh, her and my parents spent $100 for my birthday one year to get me this movie so I could watch it at home. They knew how much I loved this movie. Even to this day, my artwork and, and my uh, texture and what I bring into the page through my hand, a lot of it still, it's inspiring. It comes from The Crow. But this movie also goes a little bit further. Um, it's a definition of independent filmmaking, of low-budget filmmaking. It's a, it's a definition of finding good ideas and knowing what to do with them. Uh, it's a definition of having balls. Again, a mirror is a joker. You have balls when you make a movie. You have intent. You swing for the fences. You know what your material is. And as a director, you bleed that. You tell that to people. And you kind of don't budge. You do not budge. 
And then we have the soundtrack. Okay, this movie kind of kick-started the 90s movie soundtrack boom. And it's one of the most complete, okay, more put-together movie soundtracks ever in the history of cinema. And I've been, for a while, I've been debating on doing a, like, a study of what really happened, you know, because movies uh, used to have the best music, even, like, like Armageddon, like, I don't want to miss a thing. That's one of Aerosmith's best songs and rock ballads, like, ever recorded. And then it just all went away, you know, Batman Forever, incredible soundtrack, and you're like, what? Yeah, I'm sorry, Batman and Robin, incredible soundtrack, really good music put together and made exclusively for these movies, but it's gone. Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Here we go. Like uh, three musket, four musketeers, three musketeers. That's the one with Rod Stewart, Sting, and Brian Adams. Like, come on, how do you not love that song? But yeah, <laughs> this movie is pivotal. This movie is important when it comes to comic book adaptations because we, my three headed dragon, for like just like straight up good comic book adaptations, like maybe four headed. It's Ghost World, American Splendor, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and The Crow. And and uh, I'm not sure like what else. I mean, like I do like Kick Ass. I do like Sky Adams versus the World. Uh, you could put them right in there too. They're, those are legit adaptations that that get the intent and the feeling of the work. But they're also smaller works. And keep that in mind. You know, when when we have something even like Watchmen, it's twelve issues. When we have something like Captain America Winter Soldier, we only have the idea because the, the the actual source material is like 60 years in continuity. And you really have to, when you do big comic book adaptations, you have to cherry pick the right ideas and you kind of hope for the best at that point. You know, Marvel seems to have a formula for it. Uh, you know, Christopher Nolan seems like he had uh, one for it for uh, Batman Begins and Dark Knight. And then I, I don't know what happened with Dark Knight Rises. Uh, but I've been craving to watch that again. But yeah, look, everyone, if you all know about The Crow, you, you just go see it. Okay? Tomorrow, we're going to do Terrifier. It's available on Netflix. And uh, I think <laughs> I have to go back, but I'm pretty sure I've been wanting to do Terrifier for the 31 Days of Dread for about two years now. This is like going into like the third year, right? We have Terrifier and the Night Watchmen. This is our clown block. So we're sticking with the makeup. We're going with clowns. And then, uh, yeah, we got something very cool. We got some horrible horror movies. Going into the block after the clowns. Okay. And uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that tomorrow. But hey everyone. I love you. Thank you for joining me. And let's rock and roll.